Tonight's reading from the Old Testament is from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and can be found on page 2 of tonight's bulletin. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. This is the word of the Lord. Would you please pray with me? God, you are the initiator. We know that you're eager to speak to every open heart. And we ask that you would do that. And we thank you in advance for your faithfulness to the word that you have spoken. In the name of Christ, who is the word. Amen. Well, the focus for our ministry year is the family of God. And think for a second. For all of us, there is a group that are, quote-unquote, our people, right? We consider them our peeps. That's, I know, an antiquated term, but would you expect any less from me? So... um, And oftentimes, though, there are people that resemble us. They resemble maybe the way we look, the way we vote, the school we went to, how we like to socialize. The family of God is meant to stress whoever you regard as your people. Whatever group that is, his family widens it. And the reason I know this is because if you look at the ministry of Jesus Christ, it was the most diverse family on earth, and still is. God's intention. And so, the last couple weeks, you've heard sermons on the commitment to the family of God, the theology of the family of God. I want to turn us now for several weeks to the idea of the mission of the family of God. While looking at the book of Jonah. I was thinking this week about the first mission I took. It was in 1988, and it was really the first time I had ever been out of the United States. I went to Kenya, East Africa, and it was life-changing. The moment I got off the plane, for the first time in my life, I was not the majority culture. I was surrounded by people that weren't like me. I started to feel like, uh, started to experience what it's like to be lost. I got lost one day in Nairobi, and then even scarier, I got lost on a game reserve, uh, which, you know, we're not talking about uh, sheep and goats and uh, a petting zoo, right? This is, this is a wild place. Uh, it was also the first time I had ever heard the United States spoken of in a... Um, I would say, uh, different light. July 3rd of that summer, 
the U.S. Navy had mistakenly shot down an Iranian plane with 290 passengers. So that was new to me, to hear the U.S. spoken of in a negative light. And it was life-changing. I learned about myself. I learned that God could work in me to love people that were different from me. I learned that uh, I was a creature of comfort and luxury. I learned that um, I'm really annoying on teams. Uh, At that stage of my life, I was just, uh, I wanted to be the center of attention. And uh, I was rebuked a few different times that summer. Um, The mission exposed my heart. And the mission of Grace Downtown has done the same over these last 16 years. I believe it's done the same in many of your lives. It exposes who we are. The Old Testament book is really an expose on the heart of a mission. Um, It's a tell-all on a, a, a nation and a prophet named Jonah. God says to Jonah, hey, I want to add to my family. So I'm going to send you to the Assyrians in Nineveh. And I want you to preach repentance in my forgiveness and mercy. And uh, Jonah basically says, nope, not going to do it. Uh, Assyria was a violent nation. It was a pagan nation. And so Jonah has to go to a place in his heart that he had not gone to before. I have a seminary professor, in fact, he's been here to teach us, Jerem Bars, who would often lament uh, that there weren't many honest missionary biographies. Because many times they were sort of glorified. They were set in, you know, a heroic light. And that's not saying missionaries aren't heroic, but they just weren't raw and honest. The book of Jonah is... Now, at this point, you might say, wait a second. You're telling me the book of Jonah is realistic and honest? Isn't this the book about the big fish swallowing a guy? You know, it's got to be fiction. And if that's where you're at, let me, let me ask you to consider two things. First of all, the literature. Okay? We'll get technical for a second. If I read you the intro of two different books, and the first one started this way. In 1930, Chinese immigrants began to move into what is now called Chinatown. And the second one started once upon a time. And I asked you, which one was the fiction? Well, I think you'd be able to tell because the literature itself gave you clues. Well, it's the same with ancient literature. And in this literature, there's actually no fictional clues like that. Uh, The writer doesn't try to capitalize on the fish thing. He doesn't add any other supernatural elements. Uh, Scholars call this didactic, historic narrative. Uh, That's how Jesus actually regarded it. But that gets to the second question. Well, what about, you know, the supernatural side? Well, the Christian faith is unashamedly supernatural. It teaches that what we've got before us, uh, we can see some of it, but there's a lot more we can't see. That God actually exists, he's real, he entered into the place he made that would seem to make sense because he made it. He became a person like us, he died, and yes, he resurrected from the dead. 
And in your mind, you may say, and fairly, uh, you know, that's impossible. It may be your belief here today that that's impossible. The only thing I would ask is you recognize that that is a belief. It's not a fact. It's just a belief you have. Either way, the book ain't about a fish. The book is about God's mercy to runaways, to a runaway prophet and to a runaway nation. God calls, he commands, but many times we run. And so let's just simply look at why we run and how he responds, okay? So first of all, why we run. And uh, I wanted to share with you some what I believe are authentic runaway notes from children. And uh, I, was, I wanted to have them up on the screen because half the fun is just the way they write things, right? But you'll have to read them. Mom, I'm going to run away tomorrow at 9.30 when you and Dad are sleeping. Be sure to say goodbye forever. I will be packing tonight. Mommy, I think I might have to run away sometime and get a new life and other stuff. And I think I'll have enough money and get a job. I said I have to go, but I'm having a rough day at school and other times. I'm going to have to go on Saturday. Please help me pack and help me get a new mom. If they don't want me, take me to the orphanage. I love you and I'll miss you. And then one more. By the time you read this, I might be leaving. If you want to see me again, I will be at the first McDonald's that you see. When you go right from our house, I love you. You know, you know they're not uh, probably the most effective way, right, to run away. But the same is with Jonah. I mean, is this really the most effective way? Does he really think he's going to run away from an all-seeing, everywhere, all-knowing being? But, you know, a lot of times when we run, we're not thinking. That's not on our mind, right? We're just running. But maybe it's helpful to know what Jonah was thinking if we delve a little bit just into the background. Well, the first thing to know is that this is a time when Israel is experiencing relative prosperity and peace. And they're actually advancing into some of their enemy territory. Now, their enemies, the Assyrians, to whom God is sending Jonah... They actually are at a weakened point. They're fighting war on two fronts. They're dealing with famine. And they're also uh, dealing with internal revolts. And so you can imagine Jonah saying, go and preach mercy. We got them just where we want them. He doesn't quite get God's political and military strategy, does he? And so he runs. Now... He also has trouble with the moral that's going on, the moral uh, mission that God has called him to. Because you don't have to do much reading about Assyria at that time, but it was a fierce nation. Their kings would brag regularly of the bodies that they would lay out after conquering a place. They would dismember people. They would torture people. They would burn cities. They would burn people. The text isn't exaggerating when it says, go to Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And yet God cared about this great city. 
Tim Keller had said early on when he planted Redeemer Church uh, in the early 90s that at that time, many in the Christian church really regarded cities as big, bad, dark, evil places. And there weren't many churches in cities. Now you see the wonderful work that God has done in our city and many other cities. God cared about that great city. God cares about cities. But it didn't make moral sense to Jonah. And after all, it's dangerous. I mean, how would a rabbi fare in 1941 preaching to Nazis? Not pretty, not well, right? Jonah can see the writing on the wall here. And lastly, it doesn't make theological sense to him. It doesn't make religious sense. All the prophets before him had been sent to Israel. But he's getting sent to a pagan nation. Right? All these things are stirring in his head. God is not making sense. And like for you and I, when God doesn't make sense, our tendency to say, because I can't think of any reason why God would do this, there can't be any reason. Jonah does that as well. Are you familiar with that? You know, do you feel that? I was reminded of it this week. I was on the phone with, um, I heard Meg, my wife, had been to the mom's group, and the mom's group is often a a place where, um, you know, ministry is shared. And she came back and, well, did you hear about the Campbells? And uh, this is Andy and Sarah. And, uh, said, and I said, no. And she said, well, you may want to call Andy. I call Andy. And I said, what's going on, man? And he said, well, you know, it's just been like a crazy week. I'm in the middle of this chaos. Um, one, a routine infection that Sarah had escalated. Now she's in the hospital and it's an infection in her blood. And if you didn't know, uh, this past uh, year they had two twins and they have a toddler. And the summer was spent sort of with child care and not having child care and back and forth. And then when his extended family said, we're going to come to the rescue, uh, mom got here, his, his, his mother got here, was here for seven hours, and they had a crisis back home and she had to fly back. And so, you know, I call him in the middle of that. And it's one of those... This isn't making sense to me, God. If I were sort of writing the story of some of our church members, I would say, hey, I've had a lot going on with the kids. You know, let's give them a pass here. Now, just so you know, I talked to Andy today, and he said, God has been faithful. We're doing great. Sarah's doing better. People in the church have just come out. Right in the middle of the week, we often say this doesn't make sense. At the end of the week, we go, but it's that middle point. And it may be for you, it's not that, but it's, I really prayed about coming to this city. And uh, it has been really hard. It hasn't been an easy connection. My job has not been easy, and I'm lonely. I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me, God. Or it may be just the commands of God themselves. What the Bible teaches about sexual behavior. What the Bible teaches about God's radical justice. What the Bible teaches about uh, Jesus being the way to God. The only way to God. And we hear these things and we go, God, it doesn't make sense to me. And the temptation at that point is to run. There are different ways we run. Um, You know, um, some of us run. Uh, into pleasure. Some of us run into work and labor. Some of us just run maybe into a tradition or a group of people that feel comfortable. Some of us run into our own uh, form of religion. 
something that I can agree with myself. We all have our form of running. But should we expect any less? I mean, think about it. If God is really God, if God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our thoughts, and if God's holiness is so high, higher than the most reverent moment you've ever experienced, shouldn't we expect when he comes up, when he comes near to us? Because what you have to understand here is Jonah isn't really running because of those problems. The text tells us why Jonah's running. Jonah's fleeing from the presence of God. That's what he's fleeing. God has come near to Jonah. And he's come near to Jonah in a way that has exposed his nationalism, his ethnocentricity, It has exposed his own righteous judgment, his own, the way he thinks about morality. It has been uncomfortable. Oftentimes, when we think about the idea of God being close to us, and we pray that God would be close, I think what comes to mind is we think about peace and affirmation and love. We don't think about him coming close and turning over tables. But you read about the ministry of Jesus, and you see that there there are not a whole lot of scenes where you find Jesus and the disciples having a picnic together. Or on the Sea of Galilee listening to their yacht music playlist, you know, and just sort of going, hey, isn't this great? It becomes a very upsetting thing. I had us do that New Testament reading because it's an interesting parable, and many of you are familiar with it. It's well known, the parable of the lost sons. But it really is the story of two ways to run away from God. One way is I'm going to just run away from God and everything God represents in his rules. It's called freedom. I'm going to run into freedom. Or the other way to run away is like the elder son. And that's what Jonah is like. It's running away into judgmentalism and anger. Jonah is a prophet that's been living by the rules. He's been a good patriot. He's been a good servant of God. He's He stayed within the lines, and now God is working outside the lines, and he's hot. He's mad about it. It may be you can relate today. Maybe it is the church or Christians or Christianity to you have disappointed you. But ultimately, I would ask you, is there something deeper? Because we don't run from those things primarily we run from a person. And when God draws near to us, we should expect that the message and the ministry and the mission will make us squirm of it and make us struggle. But let's close with how God responds. Uh, We'll see throughout the story, as God is sending Jonah to preach mercy, he's actually sending Jonah to learn mercy in his own heart. And you already see it, even in these few verses here. We're going to wait to get into the storm in the boat. But just even these few couple verses, think about this. Jonah is a prophet. This, this isn't a civilian going AWOL. You know, this is a prophet, an official prophet. But notice, he's not shot on sight by God. He's not court-martialed. God lets him run. The father stands and watches his soon-to-be-lost son prophet run. It really is a clear example of the long-suffering love of God. The longer someone walks with the God of the Bible, 
And if you walked with them, I would say honestly, what you find is you become overwhelmed with how utterly patient he has been with you, with your foolishness. Uh, This is a revelation almost every day, right? Every week. Here I am. He has demonstrated his kindness to me. And again, this is where I'm at. When Moses said, I want to see the essence of who you are, God. Show me your glory. The Lord passed before him and said, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. The apostle Paul said, he spoke of the riches of God's tolerance, kindness, and patience. And that leads us to repentance. When we understand how patient God has been to us, are you in touch with the long-suffering love of God in your life, your patience? Or maybe I'll put it another way. Are you in touch with the runaway bunny love of God? Now, you may say, what is that? Um, Many of you are probably familiar with the children's book, Runaway Bunny, right? If you're not, it goes like this real quick, right? The little bunny says to the mama bunny, I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away and become a fish. And she says, well, if you become a fish, I'll become a fisherman and catch you. Younger bunny says, well, I'm going to become a rock on a mountainside. And she said, if you become a rock, I'll become a climber. He says, well, I'm going to become a bird and fly away. And she said, then I'll become a tree that you fly home to. Jonah, God is letting Jonah run because he's going to catch him. He means to catch him. He's going to catch him in a storm. He's going to catch him in a fish. And by the way, on the fish thing. Well, I'll get into that next week. (laughs) He's going to catch him in a fish. He's going to catch him under a vine that grows. We'll see. Just as he can catch us. And you know how I know that? Because of the greater Jonah, the greater prophet. You can imagine a conversation in heaven when the plans were revealed to the angels that the Son of God was going to come and sacrifice his life and become an atonement for our evil and sin. You can imagine what the angels would say, right? They would say, what do you mean send him on that mission? They're evil. They're hostile. I mean, they want some form of religion, but they want the religion they make. They don't want you. They rebel, they complain, they grumble. But he doesn't run away, he goes on the mission. He comes, the greater Jonah. And so it may be tonight that you have effectively written God a note. Maybe no one knows. It's a note tucked away in the drawer of your heart. And basically it says, God, I'm I'm tired of my life and I'm tired of the way you're treating me, so I'm going to run away. I'm going to run away into this relationship. I'm going to run away into this what, fill in the blank. But don't be surprised if God beats you to where you're going. Because he means to catch you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the honesty of what you give us. And we thank you for the way that you uh, relentlessly come after us. In Christ's name, amen.